Welcome and thank you for tuning in to the Now You Know podcast with your host, Pastor Mark Vega. This is Pastor Mark Vega with another episode of Now You Know. Every Monday, we're dropping a fresh episode. I pray that you've enjoyed this podcast. If you have, let us know. Send us an email. We are excited about today's program. Last week, we talked about the trap of ambition. The trap of ambition was a two-parter, and it was amazing. My wife and, and, and myself tackled the subject. It was great. Today, I'm glad to announce that Lisa is here with us. Pastor Lisa is with us, as well as the Nigerian powerhouse herself, Esther Omiben. And so we're going to be talking about today the trap of comparison, the trap of comparison. And my God, we've got an amazing podcast episode for you. So grab a pen, grab a paper, set it to record, take notes, download it, hear it repetitively because I'm sure that we are going to resource you so that if you ever do get trapped in comparison, you have the master key to come out of it. So Lisa, how are you? I'm doing well. Excited to be here with you again. You always, always bring a brighter light to the studio. and We're so excited to have you. And Esther Omiben, the Nigerian powerhouse. Hello, hello. I'm excited and glad to be here and to be on this podcast tonight. I'm looking forward to what we're going to speak about. Yes, yes, yes. And God is using you powerfully. You're preaching all over the place. You are associate pastor at Ignite Life Center. You have a bachelor's degree in nutrition with the University of Florida. And you have an MBA as well. Yes, sir. And uh, God's doing some amazing things in your life. We just thank God for you and for what you're doing, developing others. Also, you are the director of the Mariano Rivera Learning Center, first of its kind, here in Gainesville, Florida. Yes, we have our mentorship program in Gainesville, Florida, the first of its kind, like you said. We piloted last year, and we graduated seven boys, and now we're on year two, and we're just seeing the transformation of young men from broken homes, underprivileged uh, communities, really being restored and brought into their manhood. So it's it's really exciting what the foundation is doing. That's phenomenal. That's phenomenal. You're a boxing fan. Esther and I watch yeah. fights together, and <laughs> and we enjoy boxing. We enjoy sports. And so so honored to be here with y'all. Listen, let's jump right in it. Let's jump right to it. Let's talk about comparison. I, I came across a, a phrase by Teddy Roosevelt, who was president of the U.S. He said, comparison is a thief of joy. Comparison is the thief of joy. And I think it's very relevant. I'm going to touch on James, what James says. And James is very interesting. Whenever I read anything from James, I read it with the context or I read it with the knowledge and I contextualize it, understanding that James was Jesus's half-brother. Not only was he Jesus' half-brother, he was one of Jesus' haters. And we know that because several times in the gospel, you see Jesus' brothers almost mocking him 
mocking the fact that he wanted to he wanted to remain in obscurity and they're almost pushing him into notoriety. They don't understand the time, they don't understand the season, and they're jealous of him. So a lot to unpack here, and we're gonna do so little by little. And if today's podcast is a two-parter, which it'll probably be a two-parter because we have so much that we're gonna unpack, so be it. But I wanna take my time and I wanna help those that are battling comparison. That's why we have these podcasts. Trust me, we don't have another podcast to add to the billion podcasts already in existence simply because we have nothing to do or we like to hear ourselves talk. We believe that God's word is a resource. It's vital. It's essential. And there are people that are trapped. There are people that are trapped. There are marriages that are trapped. There are ministers that are trapped. There are entrepreneurs that are trapped. There are professional athletes that are trapped. People are trapped and comparison, in comparison. And I don't know if you've seen that, you've experienced that, but um, I want you to listen. I want you to also make an assessment. We're going to give you a, an exercise for you to do as well. But man, I'm excited about it, about what the Bible says about comparison. And so let's begin. Esther, let's talk a little bit about uh, comparison. What have you seen and we'll jump into some other things as we proceed. Yeah, absolutely. I, I definitely think what you said concerning no matter what place you're in in life, you can be an athlete, you can be a blue-collar, white-collar worker, you can be a student. Comparison will always try to find its way, no matter how much you have or don't have. You know, as I was thinking about this and, and, and as you're speaking, thinking that comparison is is almost a double-edged sword mm -hmm. because if you compare yourself and you feel like I don't look like this certain person or I don't have what these people have, it's so easy to have jealousy come into your heart and into mm -hmm. your life, right? That can be easily said for maybe people who don't have the career they want or maybe the relationship they want or maybe the success in life they want. But also on the other side, comparison can cause someone to almost look at themselves better than others, right? right? When right. you do have the notoriety, when you do have the career, when you do have the money, then you can easily look at your life and say, well, you know, I, I have I have more than this person and it and it can bring pride and selfish ambition into our lives. So I definitely think comparison is a trap on both and all spectrums in, in life, no matter where you're at and where you stand. That's powerful. Yeah, you know, that's why I think that quote that you opened up with from Teddy Roosevelt, where he said that comparison is the thief of joy. I think that's so powerful because when you, when you really think about that and that quote, why would comparison be the thief of joy? I would have to say it's because if you're constantly comparing yourself, you're never going to be content with where you're at or what you have. Therefore, you can never have joy. Right. Because there's always something that you desire that you don't have yet. Right. If you're constantly comparing yourself. And so, of course, how are you going to find delight or enjoyment in your life if you're never content with right. where you're at or where you have, whether that's your relationships, your job, whether that's work, whether that's even ministry. If you're constantly comparing yourself in ministry, then you're never going to be content with what the Lord has done thus far in your lives. Therefore, you're never going to find joy. So I think that's such a powerful statement. You know, the Bible talks about that. And listen, Galatians 6, 4, he's talking about the call. And this is so powerful, right? As we 
dissect this. Today we're doing almost an autopsy of comparison itself, right? And I want you to pay attention to this. Galatians 6, 4, Paul says, pay attention to your own work slash, right, your own call. Pay attention to what God has called you to. Now, this is what he's saying. This is not suggestive. This is a command. Pay attention. Be mindful of your call. What has God called you to do? That's the first question I'm going to ask myself. He says, pay attention to your own work, for then you will get the satisfaction of a job well done. He says, joy is going to come in the midst, and it's going to come after you understand what you've been called to do. Listen to that, right? Let's dissect it. Pay attention to your own work, for then, then and only then, will you get the satisfaction of a job well done, right? This satisfaction, like you said, Lisa, is the preamble to comparison. When you're dissatisfied, when you're unhappy, right? He said, pay attention to your own work, for then you will get the satisfaction of a job well done, and what he says next is crazy. It'll blow your mind. Guess what he says next? And you won't need to compare yourself to anyone. Well, I just wanted to add to that. That scripture says, pay attention. I think that's a key word there because, for instance, when you're in class and your teacher tells you, pay attention, why is she telling you to pay attention? Because she notices that you're distracted. Mm. And that's what happens. And and I believe that's what this scripture is saying. Pay attention to your own work wow. or call, meaning you need to focus your eyes on what you're doing and what I've called you to do. Because if you allow to, yourself to be distracted by what you see going on around you, a.k.a. what somebody else is doing in ministry, that's when you're going to fall into that trap. Wow. Right. And even a synonym for satisfaction is contentment. The Bible calls us to be content. Paul said that he was content in every area of his life, no matter if he had a little bit or he didn't have enough or he had enough. He was always content. So contentment, as you said, as that quote read, comparison steals joy. It also steals our contentment as well, which is a synonym of satisfaction. Listen, let me just tell you, and that's so true. I read a book a long time ago. I failed to remember the exact year I read it. It was one of Andy Stanley's books. It was a new book that had just came out, and I believe it was called The Enemies of the Heart or Enemies of the Heart. He talked about the heart. He broke it into a quadrant, and then he explained the, the quandary. He talked about the different layers of the heart and the voices of the heart. One was guilt, guilt's voices, I owe you. Again, this is a book by Andy Stanley. He touched on jealousy. And I'll never forget, he said that jealousy's voice is God owes me. In other words, it's a feeling of dissatisfaction because God owes me. I feel like God could have done better. I got the short end of the stick. I got played. I don't deserve what I have. And so it's the beginning of dissatisfaction, which again is the open door to comparison. It's the open door to comparison. And the only time people that are trapped in comparison, they get a reprieve, they get a zephyr, they get a fresh wind in their sails, 
unfortunately, is when someone who they're competing in their minds with has a setback. That's right. Not crazy. That's right. If I'm not satisfied, I remember this is crazy. I remember I lost a bunch of weight, and I remember I lost about eighty something pounds. Right, it's been the story of my life. Right, so weight loss, weight gain. I remember losing about eighty some pounds, and I remember seeing a couple of people that I had not seen in a while. And internally, I would question myself as to why aren't they celebrating with me, right? I was so naive and I was expecting people to be cheering for me, man. You know, hey, you know, wasn't the case. So the same people when I gained the way back and they were so jolly, almost doing cartwheels and backflips. And I understood real quick, not everyone is in your corner cheering for you. However, we can't get distracted by that. We cannot get distracted by that. And if we feel a sense of satisfaction because somebody has a setback, because somebody bought a house, because somebody's driving a car that you can't drive or a bigger house than yours, or someone's kids turned out better than your kids, your kid is in jail. And someone else's kid just got a scholarship to go to Harvard. Man, celebrate that because that is just a trap set before you so that you can be entangled and in comparison. And once you're entangled in comparison, it'll take divine intervention because there's spiritual work behind the scenes when you talk about someone in comparison, starting with their with their conscious, starting with their inner voice, right? Their own narrative, right? It's warped, it's twisted, it's ungodly, and it's unbiblical. But I don't know if you've seen cases where there's a temptation to want to not celebrate someone's well-being or what someone else is celebrating. Yeah, absolutely. Just going back, is I've seen that so many times, but going back to your statement that Anley Stanley said about jealousy saying God owes me, you know, just me being 30 years old, I'm single, you know, definitely been in ministry for the last 10 years and see what God has done in my life. I'm so grateful and so thankful, but I also have experienced times where the Lord has really had to detoxify my yeah, heart yeah. from those thoughts of God owes me because I'm doing this for him. Yeah. You know, he owes me a husband. He mm -hmm. owes me, you know, this certain lifestyle. Mm -hmm. And God has really had to detoxify my heart over the years and really having to live out contentment. What does that look like? The thoughts, the way your prayers are shaped and the way you celebrate others. And once I understood that being grateful, having a heart and an attitude of gratitude. I know people make that statement, but really living that out in the times where, you know, you are in, in your own funk, you know, it could be whatever. Sure. That is when, for me personally, healing and uh, freedom has been able to reign in my life. And I think that when we think God owes us for what we've done for him, that is where we, we get in trouble. So celebrating people, so practically always celebrating people. Anytime I hear some news for someone else, my best friend got married. We've both been single for the last 10 years. My best friend for years, once she told me about her engagement, we're the same exact age, almost the same exact age. I celebrated because I understood it's not, man, oh, why did she get this? Right. It's, 
Right. No, I have to celebrate. Right. I have to say, man, I thank God for where you're at in your life because where I'm at and where you're at is two different places. We might be the same age. We might have the same kind of status working in ministry, but I have to celebrate and not out of, oh, you know, I'm grumbling out of celebration, but no, Lord, I'm grateful. Yeah. And once you live that life, that's when jealousy or that God owes me narrative cannot enter into your life, into your heart. You know, Lisa and I, Lisa and I, we haven't had biological kids, but I remember it, it wasn't until we understood the magnitude of what we were called for that we started celebrating. So when we would hear someone is having a baby, instead of going in a cocoon and being disgruntled and asking God, why not us? Why not me? Once we understood the magnitude of our call, again, Galatians 6, babe, everything changed. And, and we saw dams of blessing, avalanches of blessing overtake us even till today, because we learned that when you can celebrate what you don't have, and you can celebrate it, and you can be loud and proud and cheer in that corner for that person who's obtained something that you haven't, then God can trust you with it. That's right. That's right. Then God can trust you with it. So I think that that's important to know, and that's important to make note of, is that right now, if you're listening, I want you to jot down things that you're asking God for. It could be promises. It could be prophetic things. It could be things that, call it what you want to call it, bucket list stuff, right, that you haven't been able to do. And celebrate those that are doing it. Not only celebrate, invest in those that are doing it. When I knew I was called to be an evangelist, man, we were broke. But the little bit that we earned. Broke was an understatement. Broke was an understatement. You know, people like, I wasn't poor, I was poor. Well, we weren't poor. We weren't even poor. The P was was silent, like (laughs) Numa, like, mm. that's how poor we were. But we'd scrape up money, save up money, and give generously investing in a ministry that we believed God was calling us to. And I can tell you, 30 years later, we look back and we're like, God, thank you, because you kept us in seasons where we could have easily been bitten and and become entrapped in in comparison. That's right. And like last week, we were talking about ambition, and we talked about Philippians 2, 3. Yes, ma'am. And if we were to go back to that scripture, I'm reading it in the Message Bible. Mm -hmm. It basically says, don't push your way to the front. Don't sweet talk your way to the top. Put yourself aside and help others get ahead. Don't be obsessed with getting your own advantage. Forget yourselves long enough to lend a helping hand. Forget yourselves. That's right. Long enough to lend a helping hand. To lend a helping hand. I can't because blase, blase, forget yourself. Right. Lend a helping hand. And my version says, do nothing out of, out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Man, that's powerful. That's a mouthful. I like the part where it says, put yourself aside and help others get ahead. Wow. That's definitely not comparison. Instead, that's, you know what? It's my job, according to scripture, not just to not compare myself to someone, but to ensure that I'm always putting everybody else ahead of myself. Let me ask a million dollar question. Let me ask a million dollar question. I got friends that are pastors. We all know pastors, leaders, people doing great things, big things. And I want to set this as a preamble to the question that I'm going to ask, you know, 
I remember sitting on a bus with New York Yankees when I was a chaplain for 13 years. I did not post that one picture. I didn't take a picture in the bus, never took a picture in the clubhouse. There's no record of it. There's no record of it. It's, it's as if God, listen, I felt <laughs> God telling me, you're going to learn the value of privacy, not secrecy. Secrecy must be hidden. Privacy must be guarded. That's right. Right? The Bible tells us there's value in privacy, never in secrecy, but so many celebrities, so many players. I'm sitting in a bus, sitting next to this picture. You know, well, there was Andy Pettit and, of course, Mariano, who, who we've been friends for so many years. And it's not that I'm name dropped. I'm just telling you. I worked for the Yankees for 13 years as a chaplain. Here's where I'm going. Here's where I'm going. Oftentimes where I would travel and I'd see people, right, if I was going to a playoff game, if I was going to a World Series, I would see people wearing jerseys. And I would sit next to people on a plane that were wearing the jerseys of people that I was going to see and or stay or have dinner or whatever. And as they're talking, oh, yeah, we're flying from, we're flying from Tampa. Yeah, we're going to watch a playoff. Are, 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 are you a Yankee fan? This time? So many times there was a temptation to let them know, hey, you know what? Well, actually... I work for them, and actually, I'm going to the game, and after that, we'll probably grab a bite to eat. And by the way, I'm going to be in the ticker tape parade when they win the World Series, which you and I were, uh, Lisa, or in the clubhouse, right? All of that through God's grace, and Clara and Mariano have been friends of ours for years, and Clara's a powerful pastor. She's a sister in the faith. But a lot of times, I notice people cannot, they don't have the self-discipline Listen, they don't have the self-discipline to keep that which has been entrusted to them in a private file. It's almost as if they start regurgitating very easily, tipping their hand of who they saw, who they met. who. And I think there's value in not sharing what you need, where you were. We don't post it on on social media, and it's it's counter culture, right? Because culture tells, "Hey, man, take you know, take pictures." Even though when you display it out of those pictures, I met my good friend Chris Rock. No, yeah. you don't know who Chris Rock is. You ran into him in the airport. He doesn't know you from Adam, <laughs> but you're gonna post, you're gonna, you're gonna capture it. My good friend Chris Rock, <laughs> yeah, faking the front. That's so cheap. Million dollar question: Why is there so much comparison in? the ministry today. Why do you think there's so much comparison? If if you listen to a talk show, it's one revelation outdoing the next revelation. That's true. Yeah. If you go to a concert, it's one singer trying to outdo the next singer. I mean, listen, we live in a time where drummers don't even share their symbols. If it's a Christian concert, they're going to take their symbols. They don't share their microphones. We are the body of, of of Abraham, right? We are the sons of Abraham. But we don't share. It's almost as if, God forbid, we help each other shine more than ourselves. You get what I'm saying? Well, we've heard it even in conferences where someone has a powerful workshop or session, and the next person that comes up can't help but say, 
man, I wish they wouldn't have put me in this place in the lineup because they were so powerful. I don't know how I'm going to outdo them. You're not supposed to outdo them. No, you're not. That's Just right. stay in your lane. That's right. Pay attention to your own work, Galatians 6 4. This is a relay race. We're in the same team, brother. Right. Just hand me the baton, and I'm going to make sure I hand the baton. It don't matter where you put me in the lineup. That's right. But people care about it. Is it because there's an audience that demands that? Is it because the demand is causing us to cave into those pressures? What do you think is the reason why we live in a world of constant, I'm talking about constant, consistent comparison? Yeah, I mean, I think the demand is always going to be there regardless. It depends on the internal construct. You answered the question in the first 10 minutes of the podcast when you said you and Pastor Lisa understood the call of God over your life. When you understand your identity, where you stand before the Lord and what he's called you to, there's no need because of what Galatians says. That's right. Pay attention to your own work. That's right. The Bible saying stay in your own lane. That's right. So once we, once the internal construct of us as human beings, of children of God becomes solidified, then the pressure can continue because you experienced the pressure on the plane. Absolutely. The temptation was there, but you didn't fold. Why? Absolutely. Because you have your own inner conflict. Absolutely. Someone who doesn't, they're going to easily give into that temptation. And it's not to condemn them. It's just to say, find what God has called you to do. Pay attention to the work that God has called you to do. That's powerful. I don't know about y'all, but I'm having a great time. <laughs> and uh, I pray that you're having a great time as well. But listen, here's something that I think merits, right, some conversation is not only do we go to conferences, we all have colleagues, friends, pastor friends, leaders, et cetera. The conversation is great up until you ask how many people you have in your church. Why is that important? Comparison. Why are you concerned how much I pay for my car? Comparison. Why are you concerned how big my house is? Comparison. The devil has a field day with ministers today, and he's doing so. Listen to me. He's doing so because I believe we have open doors of dissatisfaction, and we don't even know what God called us to yet. I think when we understand what God called us to, yet we won't have to speak in code, right? I was meditating and writing stuff down this week. I wrote, being vague is a cowardly attempt at disassociation. When you're vague, vague in a sense that you don't want to offend someone or you don't want to be categorized again, because it's comparison. You don't want to be deemed as being a part of that group, right? This is where we're recording this in October. Kanye West, right? AKA, I guess there's a whole thing going on with him and Elon Musk. And this will probably be old news by the time you hear it. But he talked about when he became a Trump supporter. He got instant hate from liberals. They were controlling his narrative. He couldn't say what he wanted to say. He couldn't speak. He was trapped. I see pastors and ministers and leaders live with these self-imposed pressures where they can't give you straight answers. They disassociate from things. It's a dishonor to God because God knows how you came up. God knows your school. God knows everything. And it's robbing a people of your true testimony of your true testimony. I'm not as good as you think I am. I'm not as smart as you think I am. Let me tell you my story. Had it not been for God, his grace, his mercy, right? And because we understand the lane that we ought to be in and the responsibility he's given us, we don't have time to look to the left or right. But one of the things we got to answer 
is this, right? You need to recognize when you're most susceptible to comparison. And if Instagram is that syringe, man, shut that account down. It's a trap. It's an open bottle and you're an alcoholic. You were discussing earlier about self-discipline and you gave your example, but I think that's the problem with social media. It counteracts our, our self-discipline, meaning it really takes self-discipline to not post about what's happening in your life, especially if it's going to give you some kind of notoriety, which is what I believe people are looking for, especially if they're dealing with the trap of comparison. They're always going to look for the next opportunity that they can post something that's going to make them look good in comparison to whoever it is exactly. that they're comparing themselves exactly. to. And that can be a trap. I mean, obviously, social media, you could use it for good, but it can also cause us to fall even deeper into that trap of comparison. What it does is really it soothes your insecurity. When that's you right. have those likes, when you have that affirmation in your comments, it's a destructive way of living because once you're, you're comparing yourself, you want to show what's going on or where you're at, and then you get the affirmation from individuals that is feeding that insecurity, then guess what? That monster, it has to be fed again. So once that cyclical way of living, it has to be fed again. So I think that a lot of times even pastors may be feeling insecure about themselves, where they're at, where, you know, they're at with the Lord, even in their own personal lives. So all they have to say yeah. is the amount of people I have, you know, what we're preaching about or the next revelation that I have, because maybe they're insecure about their relationship. Then that's why it breaks my heart. I see people sometimes posting services and they'll, they'll post on the platform. The video goes as far as the platform. They don't want to post the pews, maybe because there's not a lot of people in the pews. So they just post a platform. But if it's a big event, then they take a 360. Come on, you don't have to go through all that trouble. Seriously. I had one guy tell me, good guy. I love him a lot. He's the son of the faith. He said, I got to help you take these pictures on Instagram because your pictures are all grainy and cloudy. That was Eric, by the way. And I said, I don't have time to edit and to take 15 pictures. I'm posting and I like it and I let it go. And you know what? I, I enjoy the moment. Because guess what? If I'm at a concert, if I'm sitting in the first row of a Broadway play and I'm watching and I'm trying to appease my followers and I'm trying to, you know, put out a nice shot for them, I'm going to miss the moment. And guess what? All I have is that memory. And guess what that memory is going to be? Of me trying to find filters, Japan, Hong Kong, Moscow, Brazil. I ain't got time for that. I want to live in the moment. I take a picture. I'm sorry if I cut the head off. <laughs> hey, but I enjoyed it. I saw it. I had a great time with my wife. Let's not. These self-imposed pressures are from the devil. They're not from God. The Bible says the, the blessing of the Lord does not add sorrow with it. And I'm just here to tell you, and I think that this is something that my wife Lisa and you, Esther, myself are echoing tonight, is that when we understand the call of God in our lives, we can break free from the entanglements of comparison. And who cares what you know, what the situation is, we're going to celebrate Jesus. We're going to celebrate what he's called us to do, and we're going to do it wholeheartedly. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to cut here because we're going to continue next week for the second part of the trap of comparison. We're going to cut here. Man, this has been, this has been amazing, ladies. Yes. This has been awesome. It's been an honor. Yes, yes. Please share this 
send someone the link, let them know about Now You Know, let them know that this podcast is a must-listen to. So again, we'll be back next Monday for part two of The Trap of Comparison. Be blessed. <laughs>